0: Welcome, welcome to all of our listeners in the uh, Man Talks land. Welcome to the Man Talks podcast. Uh, I am Connor Beaton, the founder of Man Talks, and uh, unfortunately, Mister Roger Nairn, my co-host, is not available today. So it'll just be myself and our guest. Just to remind you, the goal of this podcast is to bring you inspiring men and inspiring conversations. The, the real goal here is that we want to help you, the listener, you know, become your best version. So how are we going to do that? We're going to find some incredible men in the world. And, you know, experts in the fields of relationships, sex, business, health, wellness, fitness, spirituality. And we're going to let them share their journey and their voice and their wisdom with you. So it's a pretty powerful podcast. Before we get started, before I introduce uh, our guest today, I just wanted to uh, let you know about an upcoming event that we have in Vancouver. We are putting on our very first one day event. It's going to be a huge, huge event. We're looking at about 250 to 300 people here in Vancouver in the convention center. And uh, we have some amazing people coming to speak, like the ex-captain of the Vancouver Whitecaps, Jay Merritt. We've got the founder of 1-800-GOT-JUNK, Mr. Brian Scudamore. We have the CEO of Kit & Ace, which is a sister company to Lululemon, Mr. Uh, Daryl Kopke. So those are just to name a few. We have some incredible speakers. It's going to be a, an amazing lineup. And the focus of the day is going to be uh, Grow Yourself, Grow Yourself grow your relationships and grow your business. So you, you won't want to miss that. Check that out. It's on the Talks website at mantalks.com. Uh, it's called the the One Day Intensive. So hopefully we can see you there. So for today, I would like to introduce to you a very, very special guest, Mr. David Katz, who actually just spoke at one of our events. And it was it was amazing. So we thought we would share him with our online community. So David is the president of, or was the president of the Entrepreneurs' Organization, or EO. Uh, He was the president of the Vancouver chapter, and is the recent winner of the organization's Global Citizen Award, which is amazing. Uh, After 10 successful years of business, David recently sold his GPS tracking technology company to focus on the growth of his current business, which is called the Plastic Bank. Now the Plastic Bank is a very unique company, it's it's a social plastic movement which improves the lives of disadvantaged people in many countries around the world while keeping plastic waste out of our oceans, which is definitely needed. David is also the founder of the Core Values Institute, which is a global thought leadership platform and consultancy that helps entrepreneurs uncover and live in line with the values that lead to their success. And on top of that, he does all this while raising three incredible children. So as you can tell just by that quick little bio, you know, David is an amazing human being. He's a great example of what's possible for a man, a father, a business owner. And I am so grateful to be able to introduce you to Mr. David Katz. All right, so David, uh, welcome. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. We are Extremely grateful to have you and and to be honest, uh, very fortunate and I feel very blessed to actually have you on the podcast and to just uh, this is this is more so than anything, just an hour for me to sit down and have (laughs) have an hour conversation with you. And, you know, normally Roger would be here, but unfortunately couldn't make it. Uh, So it's even better. It's even better for me. It's just it's a great day today. Um, So why don't we just start off by, you know, the age old question of what it is that you actually do in the world?
1: I mean, that's such a complicated question. You know, what what do we do as humans? But, you know, what am I doing as a a business? What am I doing as a career? How am I exemplifying who I am in my life? Mm -hmm. Well, that's the plastic bank. And the plastic bank endeavors to monetize waste, currently waste plastic, and providing an opportunity for the world's most disadvantaged to collect and exchange plastic waste as a currency, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: to reveal the value in people and the materials that they encounter, to use that as a way to transcend the ravages of poverty, to provide an opportunity for those people to collect the plastic they encounter and use it to pay for things like charcoal briquettes and water purification and Wi-Fi and and solar power and all of those other things. It's ultimately just to reveal the value because Mm. pound for pound plastic is worth more than steel. Mm. Tenfold that of steel. Where plastic can be a dollar a pound, steel is 10 cents a pound. Wow. but yet we discard it we throw it away we don't see the value in it we've been taught that it's worthless but it's not mm-hmm. and we see that and even you know and today my, my facebook feed is lighting up with people posting this latest conversation about the amount of plastic in the bellies of seabirds mm-hmm. and i think that the title i saw was that by 2050 every seabird in the world will have plastic in its belly yeah something has to be done i chose that it had to be me I knew that I couldn't sit back and wait for someone else to make a difference, and that what we needed to do was prevent plastic from entering the ocean to begin with, as opposed to going and trying to clean it up.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I think that kind of touches actually on something. I, I watched a, I watched a video of you, and you said being an entrepreneur is really about looking for solutions all the time, looking for problems that uh, need to be solved. Yeah. You know, so is that really what you're saying? Is that at the at the core of what you're doing is is entrepreneurship. It's,
1: it is entrepreneurship. It's revealing value in people. I mean, it's the creativity, it's solution. It's, mm. it's the value in the idea. That's what people are rewarded for. So,
0: I mean, I would love to, I mean, we're going to go into you and who you are and, you know, but for, for our listeners, I think there's, what really captivates me initially is, you know, how, how does your business actually, because it sounds like it pays other people and it encourages them to collect plastic. And, and for me, that's just, it, it sounds so simple and yet so revolutionary. The idea that people can go collect plastic and then basically get something in return. And so what what types of countries are you in? What types of people are, are you know, helping this movement? And uh, yeah, I mean, if you could shed some light on that, it'd be
1: amazing. Everyone gets to contribute. This is the beautiful part it's win-win-win-win-win mm. even the plastic wins it gets to become new again it's a great part about plastic i mean it's infinitely recyclable i mean it doesn't degrade i mean you can just make it to something again mm. something that was once floating in the ocean gets to become a chair once it's a chair it gets to become um, a vessel of some sort who knows mm. but the consumer gets to make a decision they get to contribute by making a decision to purchase those items That have been made from plastic that have been collected by the world's poor. Mm. The collector themselves get to win by collecting the plastic and receiving a value for it. The brand gets to win because they get to use a plastic that engages the consumer. Mm. The plastic wins, the collector wins, the country wins, the brand wins, the consumer wins. It's incredible. It's fundamental. I mean, it's just so simple. I mean, the idea itself is simple, which makes it self-evident. Yeah, it's not like it had to be spun, or you know, when you add some magic sprinkle, then it becomes something. It's there's, just, it's just no, easy. There's no Billy Mays catch No, on. right? No, no, not at all. <laughs> Billy Mays. But wait, there's yeah. more. <laughs> Uh, and, and, and within it, I think that the the beauty is in the simplicity that everyone, you know, everyone can be inspired by the action of it and that everyone gets to contribute to it. You don't have to be special to be a part of, of the movement in the end. Mm. And we see it in many of the developing nations in a bottle exchange program. And it's really modeled around that, that... That people are are rewarded and paid for, and they're it's gamified and incentivized to go out and collect bottles, but bl- bottles are only one portion of the waste stream. That's the challenge, and yeah, they're they're a a container, which is great. Now in British Columbia, we we pay a deposit. Uh, recycling deposit, which then is paid back to people who collect it, and it's basically modeled on the on the, on the same premise, but mm-hmm. instead of by the bottle, we pay by the pound, which incents incents the collection of all different plastics.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, some challenges with the non-rigids and things like that, but to be able to incent on all plastics makes some sense. Mm-hmm. And and with that with that movement, as we grow, we we're we're coming across. You know, multinational or global providers of packaging who have conversed with us that they are so encouraged by the idea that they are thinking about changing the materials they use so that they're more easily collected. Hmm. Now they haven't been incented to do that in the past because there was no way to collect the material anyhow. Mm. But now with a collection process to go into a country and provide single source materials in their packaging to make it easier to collect and recycle makes sense for them.
0: Yeah. I mean, you look at you look at companies, um, there's quite a few enterprise level companies, you know, Fortune, Fortune 500 companies. And, you know, even you look at like Fortune 100 and Fortune Fortune, 100. Fortune 10 company. I mean, there's some of those really yep. big. I mean, you look at Apple and some of the moves that they have made in the last. I mean, they they bought a forest right. with with the intent of creating renewable packaging, right? right? And and the, the the idea behind it was that you know they could they could actually manage um, repopulating the forests that they're actually using. Mm-hmm. Right. So there, there are some pretty incredible things that are starting to happen out there in terms of, you know, just the packaging, the products and, and the
1: companies. Let's let I, I, I want to make it very clear that it is the consumer that has made that change mm. and that the power lies in the individual
2: mm.
1: and that Apple is only doing it because the consumer demands it.
2: Mm.
1: And that's the change. That's the beginning of change. Now that's fantastic that we see that happening mm-hmm. that we see Apple reaching that and they see the competitive advantage in it and that will inspire other organizations other fortune 10 50s 100s thousands 5000s thousands to do that mm-hmm. that's the beginning of the change of the consumer that's demanding that the corporations of the products that they that they purchase have social responsibility that's mm-hmm. all us
0: yeah it's i think that that's an incredible view because so often when the individual looks at a company like that, and looks at a corporation, for most people, I think what goes through their mind is, "How can I possibly have an impact on that?
1: How can yeah, I'm I just one possibly- person. How could I make a change? Yeah, you have got no no idea how powerful you
0: are as a consumer. Exactly. So I I really I love that distinction and that. Um, that viewpoint that the individual actually does have a voice and that the individual really has a giant, giant voice,
1: giant voice. And, and with, with, with social media today, mm. you've got such far reach. You can, you, you can engage and you can engage your friends and you can communicate with a brand directly and you can hashtag a brand and they'll read it yep. for Pete's sakes. So you've got yep. lots of power, amazing power. And the more that you do that, the more that it comes on their radar, the more they see it, the more they're aware of it. Mm. It's important that you do that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think about even even Man Talks. Like, if people reach out, it they have the power to delegate. You know, the type of speakers that we get, the locations that we go to. I'm sure that's probably very similar with Plastic Bank. Like, if people are reaching out and saying, "Hey, we want you in this country," yeah, we you, you just, know
1: they're just listening. Yeah, yeah. It's, isn't it, isn't that to love someone though? I mean, to, to you know to do for them, to listen to them. Yeah, you know to love people. Really, yeah. it's not not hard ultimately to do well.
0: So, would you say that? You, like what Plastic Bank is doing and what you're doing is on the side of or very much so a, a social entrepreneur or a social venture.
1: I mean, call it that. I call it appropriate business. I mean, I don't know what to call it. People call it, oh, you're, you're running a triple bottom line business. Well, that's fun. No, I'm, I'm running a business the way that it's supposed to be. And, and the tenets of the organization are to reveal value, love people, and continuously improve. That's not hard. Those are our actions every day. And when you reveal value, and we consider just that on its own, to reveal value is to add value. When you find value in something, you add value to it. How does an entrepreneur make money? By adding value. So our whole mission is to continue to add value. Well, I mean, it's it's quite simple. It's rudimentary. Yeah. But yet people are lost on the idea.
0: Do you feel like some at at some point, maybe entrepreneurship took a left turn in, in a weird direction and kind of got lost at the essence of what it's actually supposed to be? Because you, you, I, I love the way that you talk about it. It's like you know, social entrepreneurship or just entrepreneurship. Really, at the at the end of the day, it's just. It is what business should be, and ultimately is designed
1: to be. And I think that the market will continue to reveal that, and the market will continue to exhibit and prove mm. that entrepreneurship is doing well and yeah. revealing value and things, not diminishing. Yeah. It's not win lose. It's not the corporation wins because the environment <laughs> loses. That what? Were you kidding?
2: Yeah.
1: It's and, then, and, and it's substantiated so it's it's it becomes self evident again that you need to continue to add value along the entire chain. Nobody can lose. Mm very cool
0: so just to kind of back it up and and maybe give me and the listeners some insight into you know where you are right now there's probably an incredible journey behind where you are right now um, because you know you, you've just having researched a little bit about you and having had you you know having the, the, the gift of having you come and speak at man talks in the event, you're you're an incredible human being and i think that you know a lot of people recognize that and and there's just i'm i'm curious as to some of the journey that's that's led up to that so just out of curiosity what were you like as a kid like what was 10 year old david Katz like oh, man. <laughs> like because i know for me i was the i was the shit disturber you know i was that mm-hmm. i was that hyperactive kid that got into trouble and was on, but you know, stuck up for the, stuck up for the, for the little kids. Cause I was the big guy. I wasn't the bully, but I was definitely, I was high energy and, and that's kind of shaped who I am. So I'm very curious, you know, what, what were you
1: like? Um, you know, first off, thank you for, very much for the kind words. It's very heartfelt and beautiful and it fulfills mm-hmm. me to hear that. So thank you. As a kid, I, I have a vivid memory of being like maybe seven and then my older brother was telling me that my parents just got home from the doctor and I was diagnosed as hyperactive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess at that, at that time I was, you know, a little attention deficit or whatever it was, but yeah. uh, I'm always on to the next thing. And I, and I am fulfilled by the exploration and the inquisitiveness of life in that whatever it was that I had, I took apart. I wanted to see how it worked. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was the normal thing. Like I couldn't just accept it as it was. I had to figure it out. I was rambunctious and a mess. And I had some friends that loved making pipe bombs and blowing up pools. And I was, (laughs) I I was a disaster, but within it and underlying in all of it was, was the unending desire to figure things out.
2: Mm.
1: And, and although I was a horrible, well, let me rephrase that. I like to express maybe in a jocular tone that I was a very, very solid C student.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And and it wasn't that I didn't like to learn. I love to learn. I just need to be engaged in my learning. And in everything that I did, it was just a process to learn.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It was to be engaged in things, to experience life, mm-hmm. which is the way I live my life now. I experience things, which is why I like to travel so much with my kids. I filled my passport in two years because I'm curious. Mm. I just want to go figure it out. There's always a way. Mm. There's always something new. And, and to reveal the tenant of, of the plastic bank is my tenant. That's the way I live my life. And when I travel with my kids, which I try to do eight weeks a year, for me, I show up. I don't have a debt. I've, I've tra- we had a beautiful family vacation where I bought one-way tickets to Scotland. I had no idea what we were going to do, where we were going to go, but I found this one dollar, a dollar with Air Transat to Scotland, and we showed up, and I had no idea what we were doing. <laughs> and that was the best vacation of my life. Because cool. every time we turned around a corner, something would reveal itself. And we lived in awe for a month, while every corner we turned, we saw something we never had expected.
2: Hmm.
1: And that was the common story of the family. We shared it together, hmm. the unexpected the unknown. And it was revealed together. What a great memory as a child Mm. to travel and to be free.
2: Mm.
1: And I think more importantly, the lesson to the kids is that it doesn't have to be planned. It doesn't have to be written. And I think that really on the contrary, that the greater gift is to not believe that you need to have something assured Mm. before you embark. Which is the challenge with most often i say that the best is the enemy of the good and it truly is because there is good enough Mm -hmm. and if we all wait for the best it'll never happen because there's always something better and like travel if you sit and wait and plan and have an expectation, and think, "Oh, when I get to Italy, I'll have spaghetti, and it's going to be amazing." <laughs> and you go, and it's not amazing. You're disappointed. Yeah. But if you go and say, "Oh, I don't know where I'm going to go. Oh, look, I'm in Italy, and I'm having spaghetti. How amazing!" It's the same event.
0: Yeah, it's almost that uh, not being attached to a specific outcome.
1: It's the journey. The journey's the destination. Yeah. It's the journey. You can be present in the day, in the moment, not in expectation of the future.
2: Mm.
1: You live now, and you experience today. Life becomes longer when you live in the day.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's funny. You know, I, I think that statement right there, just to kind of, just to kind of land somewhere. Um, you know, that statement right there is is pretty powerful because I think in an, in an age where we are inundated with notifications and to-do lists and mm-hmm. must-haves and must-dos and bucket mm-hmm. lists and just this constant stream of, of things that we need to accomplish, it's it's quite contrary to how we think often of, you know, how do I actually be in this moment? How do I actually be here? And, and I love that sort of whimsical uh, sensation that you talk about and that that sort of that sort of, uh, I guess I would call it wonderlust.
1: It right? is a wonderlust uh, and it is whimsical and it is fun and life is fun and life should be full of pleasure and life should be full of unexplored mysteries and everything else that's amazing. <laughs> that's how it should be.
2: Yeah.
1: And I think that when we get into bucket lists and although I've got my goals and I write out my goals as often of as I can, and of course I want the future and I want to yeah. manifest that yeah. and I want to work towards something. But I don't deny my happiness today. Hmm. I'm happy now. And I'm, when you're happy now, even if you don't get your goal, you're at least happy now. Mm. But so many people tie their happiness to a future goal. I'll be happy when. Yeah. What do you mean you'd be happy when? <laughs> Ridiculous. Of course, I'm future focused. I'll, I'll I'll have even more. And and it's not you know. And I chat about this, and I think it's so important that it's not the goal. It's mm. not the bucket list. It's who you need to become to achieve the goal which in itself is the journey you need to be present in who you need to become to achieve it
2: mm.
1: and when you're solely focused on the goal you'll never become who you need to be to achieve the goal
0: yeah i think that's that's powerful
1: that's powerful on its own yeah and it's it's it's
0: very it can be challenging to come to that place i think you know i think back to you know when i went to music school i had very specific goals i was I'm, I'm the type of individual, like, I'm an achiever, right? So I want to get shit done. I want to set goals and rigorously work towards them. Mm-hmm. And in in the music industry, because it's very cutthroat, there was a, definitely a period of time where I think all that I did was live in the future. I was never present because all I could see, all I was working towards, everything that I ate, breathed, slept was future, right? And the problem with that was once I achieved some of those goals, right. then it was almost—it was almost as though they were fleeting. Right? They would—they would be accomplished, and I would maybe take it in for a little bit, and then they would fly past. Right? right? And it was on to the next, on to the next goal. So I think what you're talking about is—is is powerful because it, it allows you to experience the present moment. And when you do get there, <laughs> you
1: alive every day. Are yeah. you kidding?
0: Yeah. Um, but I'm curious. So, you know, you talked about being a C student and yes. I was very much
1: the same way. I was, I was maybe a low C student. Um, but we shouldn't confuse it. And, and with the listener, it's not about, you know, it's about, I love learning. Yes. I love learning. Yeah. Love learning. I don't like being taught. Mm.
0: That's a good distinction, actually. That's a very good distinction. So, you know, did you, as a kid growing up, because you that idea and and that sense of, uh, creativity, like that was very present in me too. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that creativity and that sort of like longing for discovery and being able to uncover and learn things for myself was very, very, very present, present in my, in my childhood as well. And, you know, I grew up with the whole ADD thing as well. I was an eighties kid. So I was one of the only kids in grade four that was like on Ritalin and stuff like that. Like I was that, ki- I was that kid. Um, so, you know, what kind of, did you ever, I'm just out of curiosity because I don't, I don't actually know the answer, but like, did you ever end up going to a university or continue? Like-
1: yeah, no, I went to BCIT. Uh, I have a diploma in technology okay. in hospitality, hospitality, in hospitality. <laughs> uh, my parents were in the, in the tavern business. They, you know, had kind of some dumpy hotels and, and taverns, booze was the business. And, and I, as a, as a dutiful child thought that I would, you know, facilitate the family business. So I went to BCIT to, you know, get a, you know, business diploma in the discipline of hospitality administration, which I thought would be important. And I, and I took a very, very solid three years to finish my two-year diploma. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's amazing. So, yeah, I think I, so, I did my four-year bachelor in five years.
1: Right I, think, right. I even got advanced placement. <laughs> <laughs> Talent got right, me in. Right. Me, yeah. Right. 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 <laughs> now, that being said, you know, I, I, I go through a book a week. Huh. I, I, I go through a book a week. Now I don't have the capacity. Well, no, let me phrase it. I have the capacity to sit down and read. Hmm. I have a greater capacity to listen. And so audible.com is and profound for me it allows me to listen to books when i'm running if i'm running for an hour mm.
2: uh,
1: if i'm in the car for an hour if i'm in the car for an hour a day and i run for an hour a day if i can listen to a book for two hours and most average books are, are six hours i can go i can go through a couple of books a week and why would you get into your car why would you not get into your car and arrive at a destination smarter than when you left mm. why would you listen to the radio which depletes you And fills you with with news and negativity Mm. and and everything that's nonsensical
2: Mm.
1: and whimsical. And why would you involve yourself in other people's lives and then give opinion to the success of other people's lives when you should be focused on your own growth and success? Mm. Why would you not listen to a book? Really, to to arrive somewhere, to have the opportunity to arrive somewhere after a journey and to know more than when you had left? To choose not to do that? It's a tragedy.
0: Yeah. It's, you know what, it's, it's almost, it's borderline hilarious that you mentioned this because, um, I had to borrow a friend's car to come here today because my partner took the car to drive to Calgary cause her niece is turning one and she wants to be there. Right. So she, so she took the car and I never listened to the radio. I haven't listened to the radio in years cause I'm, unlike you, I listen to audio books or I have classical music on when I'm driving around because I just want to, that's my quiet space or yeah. Um, But so this morning was actually the very first time. And I I was up and driving at about 6.30 this morning. And it was the very first time that I had listened to the radio in in, in, at least a year and a half, maybe two years or more. Yeah, how was it? It was horrendous. So (laughs) it was the the drive that I was on was 25 minutes. There were two songs played. And legitimately, the rest of the conversation was about whether or not Miley Cyrus... And her breast or something tooted, tooted or farted. They were, they were saying tooted, but farted on some show. I was like, what in the hell? Like, is this actually what is on? And it was, it was 25 minutes. And I, so finally, I, I mean, after a little bit, I just right. turned it off and I was like, I can't believe this, but that was the dialogue and they were getting people to right. phone in. Yeah. There was and, a whole
1: call in segment.
0: Yeah. And call in and talk about like your most embarrassing moment that right. I was just like, right. this is what you know, people that are driving around yes. listen to all day long. This is yes. what people that, you know, are working manual labor are probably listening no, hey, to listen, all day long. Let's,
1: let's not confuse it. This is what the, most of the population is, is, is attuned to most of the time. Mm. It exists because that's what people are looking for. Mm. This is... I mean, it's it's a real tragedy in society, mm. you know. But there's there's this dialogue in that, and why people look for that, and everything else. Yeah. But I mean, and if you if you recognize that you have an option that there's no neutral, then it's either taking you closer to your goals or further away from your goals. You make better decisions in life, and mm. and really in the universe, there is only positive charged or negative charged items. So it's either closer or further away. There's no neutral; it doesn't exist in the universe. Yeah. And so when you know that your life is influenced that way, and you can make a decision knowing that when you look at anything and anything that you do any place you go to any friend that you communicate with everything that you eat ev- everything has a consequence mm. very very true very very right? true so if i'm listening to the radio is that getting me closer to my goals or further away from my goals
0: well further away. further away. <laughs> okay enough said yeah right so so kind of on that track uh what are some what are some of the best practices that you have found over the years really help keep you grounded and focused and present and and really performing day to day at your best or
1: really being well, present. Not, is ever going to, you know, for me, nothing's ever going to replace exercise.
2: Mm. Okay.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm cloudy. Like I, I can't function unless I exercise. Mm. I mean, to, to and, and yeah, you know, I listen to a book when I'm when I'm running often and what I find more important now is that it's my meditative space. Mm. I'll listen to nothing and I'll let my mind wander mm and I think and I find clarity and I get creativity in that process. When I have endorphins running through my body and I have ideas and creativity with endorphin well, wow, oh my gosh, wow amazing. And so I wake up I have my quiet space, I'm, I'm quiet I don't talk to anybody, I don't do anything and then I exercise and then after that then I begin. So really it's a life hack and it's difficult and it's difficult to get into the pattern of exercise but mm. it's not an option not to exercise and I think some of the most, you know, most effective and, and some of the greatest people in society are, 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 have exercise and, and, you know, well, we can certainly converse the greatest CEOs or executors in the world have exercise as a very, very important part of their life. And that's something that can't be discounted and you, you, you can't, you know, there's more conversation in, in that leadership as well. And that, you know, to really be an effective, uh, CEO or leader or community leader it's about what you do and how people look at you and and when you exhibit exercise and health and vitality it inspires others to lead that life as well I, I, you can't give that up it's not an option yeah yeah i mean it, it's i think
0: it's paramount to that's that's also one of my sort of staples like go to that really helps fl- almost like flush me out and helps me stay grounded and focused and i found the times in my life where I've gone away from that. Is you know some of the most not not detrimental times, but some of the times that have really been challenging for me to, to make to make powerful like choices for myself and be very clear and focused on what I want in my life. Um, mostly because it just helps me get back into my body, and it actually helps me tune into my own sense of intuition mm. and you know be able to really hear that that voice that's that's inside so just out of curiosity you know
1: there's the discipline behind it as well to yeah. actually do exhibit a discipline every day Yes, you know like making your bed every day you do something small as an accomplishment you get out of bed you make your bed that's an accomplishment you begin your day with accomplishment
2: mm.
1: you exercise you you begin the day with accomplishment yeah you're already accomplishing you you set yourself in a pattern of accomplishment and you set yourself in a pattern of doing what it is that you don't want to do mm. Successful people are like unsuccessful people. Unsuccessful don't want to do things. Successful people don't want to do them, but they just do them anyhow. Yeah. That's the only difference. Yeah. Successful people do what they don't want to do and they just do I mean they do it anyhow. Yeah, absolutely. We all don't want to do stuff. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like exercise. Yeah. You know, yeah. one of the things that, that that I am reminded by with exercise, one of the things that keeps me going when I Especially I'm tired or, you know, hung over or whatever it might be, (laughs) is that exercise is one of those few things that when you finish, you never, ever, ever regret. Mm. That's true. You never regret exercise. When you're done, it's always euphoric. It's like, oh, I feel so great for having done that. I'm Mm. so glad I did it. Mm. I remind myself of that. And do you have a, a meditation practice or is running your yeah, exercise, meditation? just whatever it might be. Yeah. I mean, it could be fighting, it could be climbing, it could be running. It could be, I mean, all kinds of places. My meditative space is my, my, my peace, not talking, mm. right. Self-reflection, you know, and I love that in the running. I get lost in my mind. And have you, have you always been an entrepreneur? Like when, when was your, when was your never first never had business? a job. Okay. Um, I, I laugh about that. Uh, I was a waiter once, uh, but I think that was self-employment as well. <laughs> I love it. So uh, my my you know my brother inspired me. I I tell him that it's it's sad because he was lost in the diminishment of our upbringing, which was you know, which was a product of of abuse and other things. And he he inspired me. He he lit my fire in the end. He was the one that had these ideas, and I was you know eight eight, nine. And he, he had this idea of uh, being an entrepreneur. He had this idea of posters and then pizza and other things. And I was like, yes, let's do it. But he was so caught in the best that he never executed the good. Hmm. I was, I didn't care about the best. I just wanted to get it done. Let's just go. Let's just do. I was, I was eight. My brother was 13 we began our own little landscaping landscaping business we we used the family lawnmower and weeder and and began soliciting business from the neighbors and I ultimately, in hindsight, was really just cheap labor for my brother. <laughs> I'm the older brother, so I You get it? I understand. Right.
0: It. I'm the oldest of five.
1: Of five. Oh, yeah, my God. They all got put to you work. You know how to abuse if everybody. Exactly. If they, if they listen to this
0: episode, they're like, yeah.
1: Right. I'm not so, going to say too much more there. <laughs> right. So, you yeah, know, I learned about that. And, my, and my, my own little first venture, my first real business lesson was... Uh, my older brother, I was maybe grade ten, and you know he had been to London and U two at that time back in the early eighties was big, and and he had this bootlegged recording of this U two concert at Wembley Arena, and came back with it, and I love favorite band, and oh my gosh, everybody's going to want this, you can't buy this, and and I bought, uh, I, I had a tape to tape tape, uh, dating myself <laughs> tape to tape, um, you know, uh, boombox, get a whatever you want to call it, tape to deck, ta- tape to tape recording thing. And I, I, you know, I went out and I bought these, you know, 12 packs of BASF, uh, tapes. And I started, you know, creating a, I created like a little cover for the tapes and I, and I created this inventory. I had, I don't know, 36 of these tapes and I put up uh, posters around the school, you know, bootleg U2 and and other things. And I, I had all this stuff and I was creating this little business to sell these things for $5 each. Tapes cost me a buck and I, and I, oh my gosh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'll make a fortune. And I put these all up. I had the inventory. uh, And then the principal came to me, put me aside and said, you can't do this in the school. It's illegal anyhow. And it's going to promote and incite graffiti, which was ridiculous. (laughs) Uh, But I had to take down all the posters. And that was my first business lesson was just-in-time inventory. And that I shouldn't have gone and recorded all of these tapes in advance. I should have just provided them by order. And that was my first business lesson. And, And I learned the pain of losing money. Mm. Uh, now I, I got to reuse those tapes, but that took some time. Uh, and that was my, that was the embarkation point for my entrepreneurship where, where I was fraught with challenges that I had to overcome, uh, and, and the stress. And I, am confident that I borrowed the money for the tapes.
2: <laughs> so, <laughs> it was um, allowance money. <laughs> and, and, yeah,
1: yeah. So, you know, so there's a business lesson and everything. Right. And, and that was the way that I looked at the world because I, I wanted to be free of the repression that I faced at home. Mm. And I find that the greatest entrepreneurs in my lessons and mm. in my in my inquisitive nature in my in my study of of the entrepreneurial mind and people's mind is that is that those negative memories, the ones that that are are most painful, are the most driving. Mm. And that people that had a real beautiful childhood aren't the ones that always make the greatest entrepreneurs the ones that had to overcome and persevere they're the ones that are most likely to continue working and driving away from the pain and that pain stays with us for our lives we continue to drive away from it and and that was my life, maybe you know. And that's maybe, and it's the product. And, and 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 you know, I could reveal a story which is you know painful and dramatic. But I'm blessed with it. I was a gift. I, I'm executing on a on a on a global endeavor to change the lives of the 7.2 people on the earth, and the and the and the countless billions of of seabirds and and, and mammals and everything else on the earth because of the pain that I lived. Hmm. And so that was all a gift. It was all came as it was, you know, nothing is a, everything is a gift. All of it is a gift. Life itself is a gift. If we can sit back and say, truly, the opportunity for us to actually exist, the, the absolutely unlikelihood of us to exist. If you you just go back five generations, go back 10 generations. I mean, think of all of the generations that had to exist for us to be alive today. Hmm. Think of the coincidence that our great, 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 grandparents had to go through to meet each other, to have children, and then their children and the coincidence that they would have had to have, the grandfather and great, 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 grandfather and great that had to meet the sheer improbability that we exist. And so it's a gift that we're alive. And if it's a gift, everything inside it is a gift. Everything inside it's a gift. Hmm just to be alive is a gift everything inside it is a gift just the perspective that you take is it pain or is it a gift it's a gift
0: yeah and i think that's 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 you know one of the things that's i think really important there is is it's an individual perception you know and it's it's how people is what people it's only the
1: way you choose the way you view it yeah it's only a choice. Yeah,
0: at the end of the day. You know, you could have two people go through two exact exact set no of question. circumstances
1: and, and two and different you can have, interpretations. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And this is Victor Frank Victor Frankel's work in, mm. in his book Man's Search for Meaning. Uh in that in that realm of psychology, and 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 Stephen Covey talks about it in The Seven Habits, and and really it's the space between condition and response. There is a space between condition and response. Where within the animal world, in the animal kingdom, the deer when it hears a noise, it is spooked and it doesn't think about it. It just hears a noise and it, and it, and it flees. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have a space in between the condition, which is the noise, and the response, which is to flee. The noise to flee, there's no space. But within man, there's a space between the condition and the response Mm. in that space is our decision it's the decision that defines our life
2: Mm.
1: how what you decide how what you choose that's that choice in between condition and response Mm. those choices
0: are your life so you know you talk about that space i think the first thing, as you were saying that, the first thing that came into my mind is how did you cultivate that space? Because I think all of us have have had different journeys. And, and I'm sure that for the listeners that are out there that, you know, m- may be struggling financially or struggling in a relationship or you know wanting to start their own business but not too sure like there, there's that condition in response and so it it, it takes it, it does take time in order to cultivate that that space so i'm curious like wh- what were some of you know whether it was a, a story or an, or an example of it how did you actually build that build that space and 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 allow yourself i call it sitting in the shit how did you allow yourself to sit in the shit to understand the lesson? instead of just fleeing and running and, and succumbing to, to instinct.
1: Yeah. You know, I always wanted to flee, you know, it's, 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 that's broad. And I think that I can, you know, in my mid forties now I can, I can speak of it because I have lived a life that was in the shit. And what was substantiated was that everything works out.
2: Mm.
1: It always worked out. My greatest fears were just fears and I can look back now and say, Oh, I, I I'm just I'm 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 assured that it always works out. Mm. It just works out. I know that it's an obstacle. I, I I have the I have the wisdom now to look at it and go, Oh, look at this shit. What do I need or who do I need to become to overcome it?
2: Mm.
1: And I chat about it that obstacles come to instruct and not obstruct. Mm. And every lesson you encounter, every obstacle you encounter is there for you at the time that you need it.
2: Yeah.
1: It is there appropriately placed. And so I just know now that I can look at it and go, oh, okay, I gotta figure that out. (laughs) Awesome. Oh, I didn't see that lesson coming. Great. Obviously, I need this for the next step of my life. This is great. This is amazing. And I've just had the experience to know that it all works out so I can look at it with 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 patience and and reverence to love it and accept it and go wow and so I can get through it faster i don't wallow in it
0: yeah i think i think one of the questions that i've often asked myself in those situations is who do i need to become in order to move through this you know who do i need to become in order to to move through this obstacle to overcome this obstacle to to actually get to the other side because Mm -hmm. at the end of the day it's it's an evolutionary process right it's a growth process and either you're going to stay there in that place for a long time or you're going to I you can't I don't know if you can really move backwards you just make you just make choices to to diminish your own self-worth is is what is yeah, you happens.
1: degrade I I, I I can argue that you do degrade you don't stay there you don't stay anywhere mm. remember there's no neutrals you don't stay there if you yeah. if you if you were there you diminish because because you 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 give up the growth when you when you go there you you may feel like you're staying there but you're actually giving up all of the growth so you are actually going backwards mm. yeah that's a valid point so, point. so you, you give up all of the beauty and opportunity and everything else that, that, that should be coming from it. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting.
0: Um, so just to kind of, to kind of move forward, you know, what is your, I'm, I'm curious, what's your definition of, of success? What does it look like for you,
1: David Katz? Well, that's, that's a very, very (laughs) deep and (laughs) profound question and it's it's very important and and really I resonate with it. And and I think success for me is to be present in the day and success is to be alive every day and to feel inspired by my actions every day and to not have a day go by where I didn't feel like I was alive. I don't know if I have tomorrow. I got no idea. I have no idea of what's going to happen tonight. I have no idea what's going to happen in 10 minutes from now. So if I could be present in this and enjoy this and be, and, and be celebratory and, and all of it, then I think that's successful. Mm. I don't, I don't think there is any other definition of success. Mm. It is, it is definitely not in things. Yeah. I, I like things. I <laughs> have a lot of fun with stuff that's and I same. love my little car and I love everything else. I think it's amazing. Same. It's so much fun, but that's not it. Yeah. That may be an indication that may be, I think that is more of a symptom of who we've become. Mm. Maybe symptoms, not the best word for it, but I think that it is somewhat, mm.
0: And is there somebody that you looked up to when you were younger that really embodied your your uh, definition of success back then, and somebody that embodies your definition of success now, or or over the mm-hmm. course of the past, you know, ten or fifteen years or so, while you grew into this mm-hmm. entrepreneur? Mm-hmm. I mean, you were always an entrepreneur, but as you as you grew into the the recognized and celebrated entrepreneur
1: that you are now was there anyone that inspired me to continue success you know i think that I was more inspired by failure mm. i was more inspired by the by what i didn't want to be mm. i'm more inspired by the pain that i was subjected to mm. and it kept me fleeing from it i i kept you know, then that, that, that ultimately that it, there's a big conversation in that to, you know, because you, you, you see what you believe, right. And and when you believe that life is full of pain, that's what you end up seeing. So there takes, there's takes a transcendence to get past that and, and a, and a maturity to, to, under, to, 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 change that, to, to say that, you know, it's not pain that you're looking for, but, but pleasure. The people that inspired me in my life are, 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 are the, really are really the teachers of life. The ones that that were kind to me, the, the 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 people who were fatherly to me when I didn't have fatherly advice, they were simple people. They were the ones that showed me happiness and joy and family, the ones that made me laugh and gave me the assurance that life wasn't full of pain, that it was full of pleasure. I think that inspiration can come from, from anywhere, from anybody. It doesn't have to be someone who we perceive or the media perceives as being successful because of their wealth or because of their stature, or the things that they have. You can find inspiration in the poorest of people who still have a smile on their face, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: that still find joy in life without things. Maybe that's more of the inspiration. My lessons came from many places. My lessons that, that, you know, when I, when I learned that if someone else has something, I just have to do what they did and I'll get the same result. You know, it's, it's cause and effect. When I learned cause and effect, I, oh, really? Like if someone else became a multimillionaire and I just do exactly what they did, I could get the same result. Oh. <laughs> Hold on. Wait a second. I don't have to invent anything. And there was, you know, in, in my entrepreneurial group, there was a, well, it's become a cliche and and you know that success is all R&D and you know what R&D is, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's rip off and duplicate. And that's just it. Yeah, Just rip off and duplicate. I don't need to invent anything. I can just do what other people have done and I'll get the same result. Mm. Don't invent anything.
2: Mm.
1: What a... It's not a waste of time. I mean, there's a journey in the invention for sure. And you can take a sense of satisfaction from learning it, but why would you inflict so much pain on yourself when you can just, and you can shorten all of the pain and you can just go do it. Someone else has spent 20 years in pain to have some wisdom. Just do what they did. I think there's inspiration on in everything and in everybody. And, you know, I take inspiration in the books that I've read and, and I, and you know, when I have a, a view of life that it's inspiring and, and abundant and, unlimited and and because I look at life that way and because that's my belief that's what I end up seeing mm. when did that 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 came through a lifetime of experience and I can't I can't really reiterate that enough that that it was wisdom it was time and if I was to send a message it was to and this, you can't hear that. I could tell, I could try to tell you this if people would try to tell me this as well, but you would, it's not possible to hear it. It is really a, a reflection to know that it all works out. Mm. <laughs> Someone could try to tell you, don't worry, it's all going to work out. The bankruptcy, don't worry, it's fine. It's all gonna, Your wife left you, don't worry, it's fine. It's all part of the lesson of life. Uh, there's just so much pain that you can't, you can't, you can't see the beauty in it at the time, but it
0: all works out. I think, yeah, I think that's one of my, one of my favorite sayings or quotes that Steve Jobs when he says you can only connect the dots backwards, you can't connect yeah, them forwards. Right? right. And it's and it's it's yeah. so true. It's something that it's almost hard to conceptually understand until until you experience it and then all of a sudden you have like this moment of just getting it. Yeah. Right. And just understanding that It all makes
1: sense all of a sudden. Yeah. Right.
0: So on that I mean on that topic of of, of lessons and, you know, we talk a lot about defining moments and I'm just very curious of know what what are or what is maybe like one defining moment you you talked about some some painful stories and I I don't know if you're you're open to to maybe sharing one that really made you into the person that you are today you know like there's there's some very specific stories that that have molded my life and and I'm just curious if you'd be if you'd be open to sharing one of those with with us and the listeners because I think that's how people really really bond and, and really let those lessons kind of sink in.
1: My um, my father was um, incredibly mechanical and industrious. And when I was twelve, he embarked on building a forty-seven-foot sailboat from the hull up by himself. And at the completion uh, of the boat, uh, sailed to Mexico. I met him in Mexico, and we we sailed the Sea of Cortez, where I learned how to dead reckon or navigate and and sail and a bunch of other things and uh on the way back up uh, that was the, our christmas vacation in grade 10 that was mine i spent time with him and summer i met him in san francisco and we began to sail and and we we left san francisco in a few days out of san francisco we were in a 20 foot breaking wave a 60 knot wind you know 25 to 40 kilometers offshore and you know mostly hypothermic and i was terrified as that 15 year old at this time and and you know i looked at my father and he 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 remained stoic and so i i felt some security in it in in the terror that i had in this in this journey in this boat that my father built uh you know, if it was a sailboat that someone else built, I would probably I have more <laughs> faith. But my dad built a boat, for Pete's sakes. And and we're in this, in this storm with no land at night. And this dawn of this third day, to cut the story short, my father had a heart attack. Hmm. And began giving me his jewelry and his last testament. And I had no one but myself to have hope in. Mm -hmm. and that was a turning point in my life, where I knew if it was to be, it was up to me. And to call a mayday, and to fight to save not just my father's life, but my own life, Mm -hmm. was really a defining moment in in who I am. You know, there's many defining moments, and again, it's the way you interpret them. But that was my you know my manhood that was my my mar, my bar mitzvah as you as we might say you know it was really that you know manhood i mean that was it was uh the choice was to die at sea it was a great lesson what a gift and i had a great story from it and that was just a high level it's <laughs> incredible yeah. but many many great stories and my daughter as well you know I, express the story that my daughter was born with down syndrome unexpectedly and on the day that that news was delivered to me when we were in the delivery room with all of the expectation and the hope that i was going to have a daughter and i already felt the wedding that was going to come and when you have children you have that vision into the future the hope in the future and 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 then you know the, the room scurries and one doctor calls another doctor and another doctor calls another doctor and and she's blue, and you think that it's okay. She's just blue from the move, you know. Mm. And and you say kind of inquisitively, well, what's wrong? And they look at you and go, Mr. Katz, if you just sit next to your wife, we'll tell you. Mm. Well, that's a defining moment in your life, too. Mm. But it was who I needed to become to have a child with Down syndrome. It was the beauty that I received from being able to look inside someone's eyes and celebrate all of the joy and all of the pleasure and all of the play and all of the beauty that every single person holds. Mm-hmm. And I could say that the plastic paint comes from her because it was because of her that I was able to love everybody.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And love is a verb and action, don't forget. When you love someone, it's selfish to sit back and say, Oh, I feel a certain way. That's not love. That's selfishness Mm. to love someone is to do for them. That's much different.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think a lot of people get, I mean, first off, you know, I just want to acknowledge you for, for sharing those things. I think that's, it's, it's very powerful and it's incredible to hear, hear those things and to have that level of, of vulnerability really is strength, Mm. you know? And, And I think, the, the more that we can understand that, the the better that will be, you know, and, and in, I think in a lot of ways, a lot of people and in generally in generalizing, you know, men especially think that they need to be that, quote unquote, stoic, ironclad, armored up uh, dude, right. you know, and I think the more that we can can be authentic and true and
1: real. And that is to be manly. That is to be a man. To be a man is to be emotional. To yeah, be a man is to be authentic. To be what? a man is to grow. To be a man is to be vulnerable. That is to be a man.
0: Yeah, I always, I always say, you know, what if, what if growing a pair actually meant tapping into your vulnerability and being able to be—that is growing emotional. a pair, right? Yeah, that is it. Because when you think about it, really, they're the most sensitive part of us, right? So <laughs> what, you're, what you're actually telling somebody else is, grow your sensitivity. Exactly. right like grow your vulnerability yeah. that's what you're literally telling somebody grow the most vulnerable part of yourself yes right and being able to tap into that and and express it authentically and genuinely and and to have learned something from oh, it
1: well, there's so much grow. vulnerability you have to have a uh, you've got to have a set to be vulnerable yeah <laughs> <laughs> to expose yourself Yeah. you know expose your set that's vulnerable yeah right?
0: <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah. yeah I think there's there's something there's I think you know what's interesting is it's it's almost like dropping your your armor or, or like removing the armor and dropping the walls actually takes more strength than building them up, right? And hiding behind them, it takes yeah. a whole different Amen.
1: set. Amen. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. That yeah. is that's being a man. Yeah. I mean, if I was to add anything to this, this is. That is where growth comes. Yeah. That is where you, that's where you become strong. That's where you become a leader is to be vulnerable, to listen, to hear, to feel Mm. that by being, by being closed, by not being able to hear Mm. that's, that's by, by being stoic, by being in denial, Mm. anything but being a man. It was interesting because
0: just just earlier on today, I, I had somebody ask me about Man and what it was and you know why it exists, and I, I explained it, and he proceeded to tell me about um, a little over a year ago he went through a very challenging breakup, mm-hmm. and he said it was it was so challenging that there were moments where you know I I can I contemplated suicide and I was mm-hmm. depressed and and it, and all of this came out of me just telling him what we do and, and why this exists. Space. Yeah. And, and he said, you know, the, the funny thing is, is that I could have used, he's like, I really could have used something like this almost. And he said, not, not because I didn't think that I was strong enough to get through it, but because I was looking for permission to fully experience the things that were going mm-hmm. on in my life. And he said, it was the very first time that I ever went and sought out counseling. Mm-hmm. And it was the very first time that I actually let my guard down around my family and went and had a conversation with my father about, you know, what the breakup was like and, and how to actually move through it. And I said, good, good for you. And, and then he, he kind of smiley turned to me. He's like, you know what, outside of outside of my dad and the counselor that I went and talk to you, are the only person I've ever told that to.
2: Hmm.
0: And it, it's incredible what people are capable of when we just give them the space to share. You know, and to actually be heard. I think that's one of the things that I really have appreciated about you is that you you give people the space to actually be heard. Yeah. So I mean, we've kind of talked about we've talked about a lot. Um, <laughs> uh, we've we talked about a couple of things, and I have I have a couple of questions to mm-hmm. to to ask you. You know, you seem like a very well educated, well read guy, and so I'm just kind of very curious as to what are some of the most impactful books that you've read? Like what you, I think you mentioned the seven habits of highly
1: effective people. Listen, that's, that's it. that's, that's a fundamental. Yeah, it's, that's, it's, my, it's my Bible. That's one of mine too. Yeah. Um, and that, and that, and that, and that gives perspective on, on the growth that, that will let every other Okay. Seven habits. I, I go in old dialogue about seven habits. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and, and it's a study course in, in my companies. So everyone, we, we, everyone is required to go through the seven habits and, and we go habit by habit and we have a discussion around that. And everyone comes to a place where they, where they understand, um, when they, when they, when they understand, the effectiveness of life, and and how to be vulnerable, and everything else, and and how to love, and and, and everything. And so very, very important. Uh, there's so there's so much, there's so much beauty, and there's so many gifts in knowledge, in reading, and in learning. And there are ways that you can go about it. The, I for myself, uh, the the greatest gift and the greatest. Multiplier was when I learned about audible.com and about being able to listen to books and about, about that time where I would be in a, listening to a radio or other things or, or, or the time where I had time or travel or exercise where, where, where instead of nothingness or something that would diminish me where I would, where I would listen. And the most impactful books are the ones that were read by the author like The Seven Habits, the unabridged version read by Dr. Covey, that, that, that you could hear the intonation and in, in the emphasis in words to understand what it is that the author was trying to reveal. Every book has something great when you know what lens to view it with. And every book has a gift when you know what it is in your life, what actions in your life, what beliefs you have in your life that will drive you towards the presence, and the, and and the daily presence of your of your gift, your gift, your life, and what gift you have to give to the world.
2: Mm.
1: When you know what lens to view life with, every book is. A multiplication of your life because you interpret the book as as the not you you have the ability to go through a book with the reference to your life mm. everything is meaningful when you know what to look for when you don't know what to look for it doesn't matter how many books you go through because mm. you can't see the lesson inside it but when you know what to look for it's evident in everything
0: yeah, no, i I think that's a good perspective because I feel like, you know, that you have on one hand the people that pick up a book and what is it that 80% of Americans only read the first 20% of a book. Okay, hold on. Let's so, let's hold on a second. second.
1: Set that aside. Yeah. The average amount of books read per year is less than one. Yeah. Less than most people don't read ever again <laughs> after college. Yeah. <laughs> Most never, ever, ever, ever pick up a book again.
2: Yeah.
1: And if it's less than one, and of the book that they pick up, most don't go through the first chapter. It's abysmal. Yeah. And I think that is because they don't know how to view the book. They don't know how to interpret the book. They don't know what to look for in the book.
2: Hmm.
0: So when you when you go about choosing a book, do you think... Do you think to yourself what would be the most effective for me in this time in my life right now, or is it based on an area of your life that you're trying to build and grow? Like, what's that process like? It's
1: it's it's twofold. It's not not only do I try to find an area like if i if I if there's something that I feel that I'm uh, remiss in or in uh, uh, in in deficit in, then I will I'll resonate for the book. But I'm going to take you back to. Understanding what your values are, what the actions of your life that, when facilitated daily, will lead you to the success of your life. So, a value is not a virtue, not to be confused by. It. By that, but it values that those things that you want more of in your life, or you want less of in your life. And when you recognize the things that you want more of in your life, or less of, but when you want more of in your life, than any book you pick up, you can you resonate with it because although you may be directed to the book, the lessons in the book will be in the fulfillment of the things that you want more of in your life. So you can take away something from any book that you that you read. It may be just one. Line one sentence but when you have a view a lens to interpret it with that becomes better that becomes it becomes a perpetuator a multiplier in life but yes when i when i view a category of books and having been through a book a week for the last 10 years i i know that the books come to me in the time that I need the book quite often. Mm-hmm. But that comes from me being prepared for the book. That's that's being in my journey of becoming the person that I need to become. And that book and that title quite often only presents itself and resonates itself with me when I'm ready to hear the book or ready to see the title of that book. So it's a bit difficult for me to answer, to say, I go and look for those books. I don't look for the books. I become prepared to receive the book when it presents itself. And when I receive the book and it presents itself to me I have a lens to view that book with in relation to where I need to go in my life mm. and it comes at the right time mm. wonderful
2: I
0: like it um, moving forward because <laughs> uh, we, we, we do need to wrap it up pretty quick so um, I just have a, a couple more things one of, the, one of the questions that we always like to ask our guests is about legacy um, so if you could if you could choose any legacy to leave in the world, what would that legacy be?
1: Hmm. Well, that's that's hard. It's it's kind of a it's kind of a, it's kind of <laughs> it's a big hard. one. It's a big it's a big question. I I I am told that I'm leaving something in the idea of the monetization of waste and to and to provide an opportunity to transcend extreme poverty. Just the idea itself, as it's caught. As it's caught the attention of people around the world and the millions of people who are associated with us now. I believe that there's a bit of a legacy there, but that's not really what I want to be known for. I think more importantly, I want to live in the minds of my children. I want to, I know that, I know that leadership is, is the action. I want, I want to, I want to be authentic and i want to be known for being being present and i want to lead others into the present day to not postpone joy to not postpone the experience of the fleeting opportunity of being alive and to know that every moment counts and that i have a choice to live the life that i want to be known for and that I chose it and I lived it.
2: Mm.
1: It's such a deep and complex question. There are so many people in our lives.
0: But I think that in itself is is a legacy, right? Because how many people can you can you describe or really say in that way, you know? And if, if somebody was to come up and say, you know, what's one who's one person in your life that left the legacy of being fully present? consistently right. you know it's it's a hard thing so i mean that in itself is is a profound legacy
1: and that, and that's leadership in the end yeah. it's the action of life and you lead people by doing yes and 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 that's really what i continue to aspire to be is the living action of life
2: hmm.
0: and so for the the people that are out there that you know are, are thinking about starting a business that's that's really in line with their their true beliefs you know, and their innate values and their innate gifts in the world, what's sort of one piece of advice that you would give them or one piece of advice that has always guided you?
1: Mm-hmm. My, my greatest success came from knowing, understanding what I wanted in my life, what would fulfill me. And when I vocalized it, when I gave words to what I wanted in my life, I was able to see more of it when I was able to see more of it, I lived more in line with it. I began to live the action of what I wanted in my life. My advice to someone who wants to be an entrepreneur is to vocalize what it is that you want your life to be known for. What actions to bridge community, if it's to bridge community, then naturally the business that you embark on should be to bridge community. To bring people together. Perhaps it's to create an organization, a community of people who want their children to meditate. Perhaps it's an organization of people who want to build apps for meditation. But it's to bridge community. Even if you don't reach untold wealth, you would at least be rich in the presence of life. And the wealth would become inconsequential. You would be fulfilled in it. And you, in your presence, in your life, would be a leader. First, understand what it is that you want more of in your life and live in the action of it without compromise. And find the business that fulfills that. Sounds a bit... um, That may sound a little bit... uh, I'm not sure what the word I'm looking for is. uh, Airy fairy comes to my mind, but that's not it. (laughs) Grandiose. It's maybe grandiose, but it's... You don't have an opportunity to forgo your joy and happiness. It's not an opportunity to forgo your joy and happiness for the accumulation of wealth.
2: Mm.
1: And in fact, the accumulation of wealth comes from being in line with your joy and happiness. Mm. You are joyful and happy. And you. when you are joyful and happy, that is when you accumulate wealth. Mm. Nice. Yeah. And
0: this one's a weird one. That's okay. No, that's great. I think that's fantastic. I love, I love asking this one. And, uh, this is Roger's favorite question. So I had to ask it for him, but you know, what's, what's one question that you've never been asked before that you wish you'd been asked? Oh,
1: that's hard. <laughs> Come on. What kind of question is that? <laughs> um,
0: or if I could have asked you a question during this interview, well, what, what would you have ideally well, that's like some beautiful been-
1: questions? And it was, it was, it was heartfelt and nice. And, and I, and I I think that I think that maybe the nature of the program and who you endeavor to become and your living action of it is revealed the questions mm. that have been heartfelt and touching and important and you've asked questions that haven't been asked wow. I, I, and and you know I, I I'm gonna finish that with the one question that is often asked which is david what has been the biggest stumbling block (laughs) right and it's and and i want to converse this because it's the answer that is uncommon we've touched on this in the program i'm always asked david you're launching something with a global initiative and Mm -hmm. an endeavor that is beyond self what has been the biggest stumbling block and i believe that most people are waiting for me to say government or business or something but the answer is always truly self the biggest encumbrance to any success in life is self and the ability to persevere self-doubt When you master that, when you master self, you master life. There's depth in that answer that may take some listeners time to fully comprehend. But there's a rudimentary and fundamental truth and beauty in it. That when you master self, you master life. And that the key to success is to master self. It's not to master success or wealth. It's the other way around. Yeah, that's
0: it. Wonderful, wonderful. And what's one thing that you're excited about in the future? That's that's really the, it's really the last thing. Like, what's one thing that that's up and coming either in your personal life or with the Plastic Bank that you know you want? So people many to check amazing out?
1: things are happening all the time. <laughs> it's just amazing. We got this great. You know, there's so many beautiful things that are happening with with so many beautiful organizations. Every day is exciting. Tomorrow is exciting. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Tomorrow is going to be amazing. I'm most excited. What am I most excited about? I'm... Wow. That's a hard question as well. I don't, you know, I don't know what I don't know. I, when I can, you know, if I was to answer that would be to limit the amount of excitement because it would make, it would become finite if I was to answer that. And I'm excited about, about what is untold. I'm excited about the, the limitlessness of this opportunity and, and the collaboration. And I'm, I'm excited about how many people are beginning to collaborate and to be a part of it. And I'm excited by. I'm excited by the multiplication of, of, of efforts and the beauty that is being revealed and, and, and the community that is being revealed. And I'm excited by the solution. I'm excited by the world. I'm excited by the opportunity of life. It's, it's such a, such a difficult question to answer. It's okay.
0: How can, uh, how can people get involved? I think that's i think the the question there is you know how a how can people get involved
1: in the plastic bank and b where can they find more information about the plastic, plastic Bank? dot org dot org uh that's for, you know it's important for them to learn more about us do spend more time there, see what we're doing there's a petition there as well which we use to To communicate with our brands uh, our customers who are are the brands and we substantiate that that people want their brands to be using social plastic it's very very important as well but i think i think more than that they they have to communicate it they have to tell other people they have to know that there's a possibility they have to move themselves into the possibility of solution Mm. if anything i want people to know that life is limitless And that they can be a part of everything and anything. And then it's not to sit back and say, geez, you know, I knew someone should do something about it, as maybe some listeners have done and said, oh, I'm glad someone's doing something about it. But it's their opportunity to do something about it. That when you overcome self, when you live in line with the things that fulfill you, when you see everything as an opportunity for learning and growth, that you yourself have all of the tools already in your hands to embark and make changes. And that who you become in that journey is the greatest gift that you can give back to society. As you live that, as you become that person, as you inspire others through your daily action, that is the gift. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, thank
0: you so much Mm -hmm. for being on the podcast. And uh, for everybody out there that uh, wants to connect with you on Twitter, it's at David Katz.
1: Uh, At David Katz. At bank. yeah or at plastic bank yeah. at plastic bank yeah
0: <laughs> yeah you guys have, uh, you guys have a huge bank.
1: huge following yeah. already at which, plastic is bank, which is incredible which is ton of fun and uh, social plastic facebook you know be be a friend uh, or even find me on facebook as well david Katz. Uh, you can find me there uh, i mean there's just a million ways find me on linkedin find me anywhere i'm you know i i, I bridge community i love community i love everyone that wants to be involved i'm inspired by everyone who is inspired by me, I feel a greater sense of duty to the people who reach out. And everyone that does reach out gives me more affirmation to continue to work on behalf of everyone. So the more the people that reach out, the better. Wonderful.
0: Wonderful. So if you're out there and you want to be in action and you want to contribute in some way, shape, or form, you heard it, find, find them. Uh, find
2: uh, me. <laughs> find the plastic <laughs> bank. Uh,
0: and for those of you who are wanting a little bit more information on, on Man Talks or want to check out the other podcasts, go to mantox.com. Uh, we've got podcasts, blog posts, uh, videos from past talks, which is pretty incredible. And uh, one of the quick things that you probably want to check out is the one-day talks intensive that we have coming up on November 7th. Um, It's going to be here in Vancouver, British Columbia at the Vancouver Convention Center. Uh, We've got the CEO of Kitten Ace coming to speak. We have Sachin Raha coming to speak. Uh, We have the ex-captain of the Whitecaps, Jay Demarek coming to speak. We also have uh, the founder of 1-800-GOT-JUNK, Brian Scudamore coming to speak. So we have some incredible men who are going to be sharing their journeys. Um, That's just to name a few. If you want more details on that, go to mantalks.com and click on Intensive. It'll be right on the main page. Thanks very much for joining us and thanks for being a part of inspiring men having inspiring conversations.